You're listening to AltF4.co, and today we're talking about the American idiot. So I'll explain here in just a second, but I wanted to say happy birthday, America. This is the 246th birthday that, we, that we're celebrating today, um, and today I was going to talk about the three Supreme Court rulings sort of lumped together and then summarize into why I think these are good um, outcomes. So, a uh, quick warning, I'm going to use some explicit language today, not because I'm going to say them, but because I'll be quoting uh, someone, and within that quote is explicit language, so I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I think it adds impact to say exactly as it's written. All right, so uh, what are the three cases we have? We have, um, number one, we have uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin Superintendent of New York State Police. We have West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency. And then finally, and probably most controversially, uh, we have Dobbs, the State Health Officer of Mississippi Department of Health versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. All right, so New York versus Bruin. This was a case that was about gun control. And I guess before I finish with my introduction, I wanted to say that um, I did read a little bit. I didn't read all of it because it's pretty long, quite frankly. They were at least 100 to 200 pages and they were technical, referencing a bunch of cases and so forth. But I did read some of the verdicts um, or the opinions on the verdicts that, that were written. Um, and so I'll try to summarize uh, the case and the verdict and some of the outcome for each one of these. Okay, Bruin versus, or New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. So essentially... This case was um, someone that applied for uh, a concealed carry permit. And New York is a state that's called shall issue, or sorry, may issue, not shall issue. So what that means is you have to provide justification for um, getting a concealed carry permit. And essentially what has happened is... There are some people that have carry permits, and this person was denied. So uh, I didn't get down all the names and everything in my notes because it wasn't super important. But I wanted to point out that um, essentially what the the case was was looking at was the consistency of rule of law. So um, in in Oregon, where I live. It's called a shall issue state, which means if you meet the criteria for um, obtaining a concealed carry license, then and you pay the fees and blah, 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 background check, then you can get your permit. In other states like New York and California and Hawaii, um, <clears throat> you have to show reasonable cause. So Oh, maybe you are a celebrity or maybe, uh, you know, you have a crazy ex-boyfriend, you know. Um, but essentially that 
criteria is subjective. And so when you look at some of the other, I'll say recent, but they're recently long ago now, like Heller versus DC, where Heller <clears throat> essentially said that the Second Amendment guarantee, you know, grants a right that we can own um, arms, arms being primarily firearms, but uh, can also translate into, you know, knives, etc. And since that decision has come out, um, the courts, again, have um, not always followed the rules, right? So this is why we have a Supreme Court in, in the first place. Um, when you when you legislate through the through the judicial bench, you know uh, any mun- municipality can create any sort of laws they want to. It's up to the people then to fight those laws and um, you know in them if they don't fit within the right buckets of of rights, if you will. So. Essentially, the meaning of this case is the this is the this is the bare part of keep and bear arms, meaning you can Heller established that you can keep them, but New York was preventing someone from bearing them, and you know this is very early on in the whole conversation, but uh, I think what people are are th- are thinking the outcome is going to mean is that. You know, it may be a May issue state, but the rules for applying need to be clearly enunciated and spelled out and, you know, becomes more like shall issue in a way. Um, you know, there may be more hoops than that. But, um, you know, when <clears throat> when the verdict was announced, we were actually in Spain, so I missed some of the early hoopla that went along with it um it was this this one is probably i would say the least controversial of all of them um you know particularly because there's such well entrenched uh organizations that contribute to um watching this right protecting it and fighting for and or against it so you immediately had the usual suspects condemning it, like the president, the states of New York, the state of Illinois. Um, but we didn't see, fortunately, we didn't see, you know, the same kind of rioting and things that we're, we're going to talk about here a little bit later. Uh, the second case that I was going to talk about here was the EPA case or West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency. Um and essentially what was happening was that the EPA had specified that these power plants needed to switch fuels from um, coal to natural gas. And so West Virginia, probably being a very coal-heavy state, coal-dependent, coal mining, you know, all the things that go along with coal, um, took them to court. And the opinion that was rendered on this particular one uh, said that you know, the EPA is not a legislative body. So they do not have the right to 
tell um, to tell the state or the the power generation entities how to do their business. I did read some other things about it, opinions and things that said uh, that you know it's not that uh, the EPA cannot regulate. It's that they went a step too far in saying you can't use coal. So using an example, um, you would say like, okay, well, your emissions need to meet X level. Now, how you do that, I guess that's your purview in doing it, but um, not that you need to do it using this particular fuel. And I think, you know, this is a this is a good verdict simply because... Um, you know, we have, I, in my opinion, far too many regulatory agencies that enact laws or rules, as they're called, actually, that come with consequences, i.e. like fines and, um, you know, the power to shut down if, um, if they so desire. And so, you know, pushing back and saying, hey, um, you know, this was not written as law this was not this was not law through our elected representatives and therefore it's a step too far now i think the other thing about it is um that you know they didn't specifically draw those lines about what is too far right it's kind of the old argument on pornography we know it when we see it but Again, I think if I circle back to all these cases and really talk about the Supreme Court in totality, really, you know, getting too excited about any of these verdicts is is really kind of silly because, quite frankly, they're only looking in in most cases at very myopic pieces of what's happening in the case, right? So they said, hey, the EPA went too far in specifying fuel, but they didn't say, like, what can the EPA specify? They didn't say that. And so, you know, in all these cases, again, if I go back to gun control or Heller or whatever, I mean, essentially they were focused on that one particular jurisdi- jurisdiction um, that the case was brought f- from and that one particular aspect that they were arguing in court. So, you know, to say things like, and I'm going to read a couple headlines that I took down yesterday as I was making my notes on this, was um, to say things like, Supreme Court rules 6-3 to that the planet should burn, quote, Rolling Stone. Uh Quote, Justice Kagan warns parts of East Coast could be swallowed by the ocean in EPA case, Fox News. Um, Those are just inflammatory nonsense, quite frankly. I mean, um, I read a little bit of a piece that Scientific American put together. And, you know, they're saying, while this is a, quote, setback, that um, it doesn't mean that the EPA is, doesn't have jurisdiction to um, regulate emissions. Just that they can't tell them that you must use this fuel. Uh, so, anyway, I, I think that, you know, those are both good verdicts. They're both steps in the right direction. But I want to cautious, cautious, I want to be cautious 
that um, that we don't get too excited that you know these this is going to change our world. Now, uh, most of the rest of the time, I'm going to spend on the abortion case, and um, I think that the world, quite frankly, has lost its mind. So let's get into it. All right, so this was Dobbs and the state of Mississippi versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, presumably the um, providing abortions. I don't know. I didn't really look into the details there, but uh, when I was I read the most of this opinion because um, I I wanted to have this is clearly one the most contentious and two. I wanted to have the perspective to talk about it. Um, the Essentially here we have uh, the Supreme Court ruling that Roe v. Wade was incre- incorrectly ruled. And when I read um, the, the opinion on there, they were talking about how uh, Roe v. Wade was legislated in the first place. So they used an argument essentially that was right to privacy uh, was was the argument for Roe v. Wade. And in the constitutional portion of it, they said it what applied were Amendments 1, 4, 5, 9, and 14. I think we all know what the First Amendment is. That's how you're hearing me, freedom of speech. Fourth is the illegal search and seizure Um quartering of troops amendment fifth is self-incrimination ninth i'm going to talk about um at the end here but essentially the ninth amendment is the amendment uh that says anything not stated in the constitution is reserved as a right to the people and then the 14th amendment is really the anti-slavery amendment or um what it's what it says in a nutshell is Everyone that was born here is a citizen, and citizens' rights are extended by the Constitution. So the opinion of Clarence Justice Thomas was that, um, one, the case was flawed in its acceptance uh, or, you know, that it was passed, if you will, and, two, that there was no common law um acceptance of the practice now that one i wonder a little bit about because um when i was a student in high school uh, i took latin and i remember distinctly we went to some kind of humanities forum and they were showing uh, tools from greece this is more about uh, not romance language but greek in sort of that that era of time and and uh so that would have been sorry so that would have been pre-roman um but they were showing tools for abortions and i was like wow so abortions have been happening you know throughout history um i i would agree to some extent that uh there's the that it what probably wasn't prevalent it was probably used as an emergency type situation when i say emergency you know i mean emergency like i didn't want to get pregnant um and there probably were some cases of hey it's the mom or the baby but um you know 
was it widely done? I, I doubt that. And I haven't done a lot of research on that. But my point with the, with the Greek culture was, yeah, it's been done forever. And they had some kind of vacuum. I won't describe it. But, you know, they, they had some very specific tools to do the job. All right. So, you know, where do I stand on this? Um, I think that abortion is abominable. I think that to think that you have an option to have an abortion um, versus taking care of the kid is is very self-centered. It's very um, disgusting, quite frankly. And I know that I'm a man, and I know that my opinion and my wife's opinion are, are very different. But I think th- the level of quote, I'll call security, right, of, well, I can always have an abortion, is just poor, poor morality, quite frankly. I mean, what happened to uh, not engaging in premarital sex? I mean, that's probably unrealistic, quite frankly. But, you know, sex has consequences. Babies are one of them, but, you know, so are STDs, and so are, you know, other things that, that go along with it. So, um, I am very against abortion. I think it's a disgusting practice. I, I know some people that have had, had them and I, you know, I guess where, where I fall on that spectrum is we will have our own judgment. It's not my place to judge. I can understand the reasons why. And, you know, to some degree having a, done early enough, you know, I mean, it's not as gruesome or disgusting, but still that's, that's a potential life and that's, uh, results of poor decision-making. Now, all that being said is I am pro-choice quite frankly, and I support your right to, uh, potentially be damned. I mean, as a Christian, you know, we have the we have the right or we have the we always have the possibility of forgiveness and so no matter what we do um in our lives sin wise um, we can ask for that forgiveness and hopefully we'll get it but once again i'm not going to judge other people even though i don't agree with the practice whatsoever so i'm i'm pro choice quite frankly however I do think this was a good judgment, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit more. So one of the ridiculous things I heard about this was it's this is going to abnormally affect lower-income people and minorities. So I want to analyze that for a minute. Um, when you look around, and I, I live in a town that is, um, it's, it's, in the lower poverty scale. I mean, um, I think over 50% of the students in the school system qualify for food assistance, which is why they essentially just gave up on it. And now they give free meals to all kids, uh, ages zero to 18. Um, when I look around at lower income people, what I see actually is I see 
larger families, quite frankly. You look into other cultures, not just the American culture, but the Latin culture. And, you know, they are, I would say, predominantly poor. And yet they are predominantly having more kids. Now, maybe you would say, well, because they can't get abortions. I don't know that that's the case. Um, I I think this this is my personal opinion, but I think that those options, as in abortion, are probably financially trying if you're lower income. And you know, when we say lower income and minorities, I think what we're really saying is that most of the people that are minorities are in the lower income or, or there's, sorry, that's probably said wrong. There's a higher proportion of minorities in the lower income bracket. So the argument to, for this saying that it's going to affect low income and minorities is quite frankly wrong. In my opinion, I think that the, the actual people that it's going to affect are the upwardly mobile young middle class or to be middle class you know you think about the college kids and high school late high school to college those are the people that are primarily um i think going to be affected by not having not being able to have an abortion and you know when when we when the argument is made that um that you know, well, if you're rich, you can just leave leave the state or leave the jurisdiction and go somewhere where it is legal. And, you know, I don't honestly think that rich people are probably having a lot of abortions, quite frankly. Um, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be crass, but I'll say, you know, how do you get rich? You get rich by planning your life. That doesn't mean that mistakes don't happen or that, you know, you don't get um, that all rich people are are um, careful or or um, responsible. I think that's a better term. But it means that, you know, they look at implications of things. They um, probably use birth control more. I mean, that's quite frankly, a, maybe a bigger barrier to lower income. They, um, you know, or they may have, you know, sterilization type procedures done like, uh, you know, not going to have any more kids, that kind of thing. So I think it's just flat out false to say that that this is going to abnormally affect uh, that population because I don't think they're the ones having the abortions anyway, quite frankly. So, um I'm going to talk about uh, some rights here in the Constitution and and why I think all these uh, things are are good verdicts, quite frankly. And then I'm going to end on uh, our American idiot here to make a point. So there's a term, it's called incorporated rights, that exists, exists within the realm of the Constitution. Incorporated rights mean that, um, as they're spelled out in the Bill of Rights and or other amendments to the Constitution, that they apply all the way downward. So 
I think originally the vision of the Constitution was that, you know, these were going to be the the things that were restricting the federal government, and then the states had their rights, had the right to um, do as they chose as long as they weren't conflicting with the federal government. So a lot of states, like Oregon, for instance, has a provision in its constitution that says something to the effect of we we are adopting all of the rights that the U.S. Constitution has. Um, as you have these Supreme Court cases that come up, you have this discussion of incorporated rights. So um, for a long time, the Second Amendment wasn't considered incorporated, meaning the federal government was not going to uh, write any laws that that can that limited your rights to own a firearm, but the states could, right? So that's the part about being a republic in that we have a or supposed to have a loose framework of rules and regulations that sort of help guide the states, but yet it was intended that the states would be the primary primary regulating body and not the federal government. I think a lot of that has changed and it has more to do with um, money than anything. And we're not going to get into all that today because that's drifting way out of scope here. But um, what's happened since the since the creation of income taxes is now the federal government has a bunch of money that they never had before. And that in turn has allowed them to, or has um, permitted them to act as bullies, if you will. Uh, so if you think about things like the, um, the drinking age back when that, I don't know the exact date, but you know, it was, I think it was in the 70s when um, the federal government said, you know, 18 is an adult and every state can create their own rules. But hey, if you want federal highway funds, then you need to raise the drinking age to 21. And, you know, by the way, um, you know, we've just created all these interstates in the 50s that everyone thinks is a pretty good idea and uses them, right? So, unless the states want to take on the burden of, um, you know, maintaining those roads, then, uh, you probably want some federal highway money. So those are the kinds of things now, those are the tactics that the federal government uses and they've gone, in my opinion, way out of the way, um, way over their, their rights, quite frankly, um, in that case, because they can. So let's talk about the important um, amendments here. So I was reading something about, you know, how Roe v. Wade was uh, primarily the dependent on the Ninth and Fourteenth Amendment, even though I said earlier there was a bunch of other ones, right? This was an opinion that someone wrote, and they said the Supreme Court absolutely got this verdict wrong because the Ninth Amendment says any right that's not spelled out in the Constitution is reserved to the people. So this is one of those amendments, quite frankly, that's almost non-existent. Um, you know, what it means is that, or maybe in a said in a different way, you know, if, if it's not written as law and illegal, then it's legal. 
So, you know, I think we do have a culture of, of, of that part of it. But um, in the 14th Amendment, again, said, hey, if you're born here, then you're a citizen here. And all those rights under the Constitution, including the Ninth Amendment, apply to you. Um, what the argument got wrong and what the Supreme Court got right is uh, they forgot about the Tenth Amendment. So the Tenth Amendment says rights that are not enumerated in the Constitution are permitted by the states to address. So in this case, um, particularly abortion, you know, there is no right for an abortion specified in the Constitution. You can insinuate um, privacy, and that's a common law right, but really it's not enumerated in there. So by saying, you know, Roe v. Wade is protected by the Ninth Amendment because it's, because it's not specified, forgets conveniently that the Tenth Amendment says states can regulate as they choose, as long as it's not violating the Constitution. And <clears throat> so this, you know, of course, goes back to the incorporated rights portion of things and and all the way back to the beginning when I was talking about, you know, um, verdicts are really only very myopic in these cases. They're not going to make the only way to change, change something in a broader fashion is to create legislation to do so. So if Congress wanted to um, create an amendment or if anyone, quite frankly, it doesn't have to be Congress, wanted to create an amendment that included abortion in there, then um, that would be the way to go to to get this to be constitutional. Until then, the states have the rights to regulate as they see fit. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit out there, but, you know, when you're going to, if you live in, Min not Minnesota, but Mississippi or Texas, where this has bubbled up here recently, or, you know, any of these more, I'll call them, you know, they've been called the Bible Belt states, that um, you're going to run into some policies probably that are pro your liking and maybe other policies that aren't. So, you know, things like mask freedom, um, we're much, those, those southern states were in a much better position to do that. Um, but then when you're getting into these these uh, morality type laws like abortion, expect that uh, that state's probably going to take a more negative stance on that. So that's important to you. I think, you know, those things need to be considered when you are deciding where you want to live. Now, maybe the argument for the uh, impoverished might come in here. However, in my community, there's a lot of people that came here from Mexico with nothing. So I don't completely buy that. You know, I mean, I understand circumstantially everyone just can't pick up and leave whenever they want to, um, myself included. You know, I have to consider other factors like my job and everything. But does it make it impossible? No, it doesn't. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the morality anymore of you know premarital sex and or even marital quite quite frankly i mean abortions aren't limited to that but i would say you know good decision making is really 
a key. So, um, anyway, that those are those are the reasons, and I think all three of these cases, quite frankly, have that Tenth Amendment bend to them. That uh, you know the federal government's, well, sorry, the gun control one, no, not so much, but the federal government's gone too far on the on the second two at least. And you know, I'm always up for good uh, gun control uh, removal. So, all right, let's talk about the American idiot. A lot of people um, had some reactions to this to the to the abortion verdict one of them i picked out specifically because i was like this guy so i'm talking about billy joe armstrong here and if you don't know the name you'll probably recognize the band he is the lead singer for green day it's a band i love i love their music but i really do not like his politics um so I'm going to read some uh, of the song American Idiot here. Verse 1. Don't want to be an American idiot. Don't want a nation under a new, new media. And can you hear the sound of hysteria? The subliminal mindfuck America. Welcome to a new kind of tension. All across the alienation where everything isn't meant to be okay in television dreams of tomorrow we're not the ones who are meant to follow for that's enough to argue so that's the <clears throat> first verse and chorus the day the um verdict came out he was quoted as saying fuck america i'm fucking renouncing my citizenship i'm fucking coming here that's Great Britain. There's just too much fucking stupid in the world to go back to that miserable fucking excuse for a country. Oh, I'm not kidding. You're going to get a lot more of me in the coming days. So, the song American Idiot is really trying to, to say that, you know, the media and everything is, is programming people to do stupid things. And I, I would argue here that... Um, Billy Joe Armstrong is probably um, one of those ones that's actually getting programmed. You know, I talk every day about ending your program, and I'll end this podcast with that. Um, you know, there's nothing in that verdict from abortion that's that says it's illegal. You know, what it's really saying is that it was argued erroneously with the wrong premises and that it should never have been um, accepted as case law. Now, when I was reading the um, verdict, I was reading, <clears throat> there was a lot of reference to a term called stare decisis, which essentially means that it's Latin, but it essentially means that um, prior case law is is accepted as precedence for future cases. And I actually liked what Justice Thomas said was that, hey, if you got it wrong to begin with, we're not going to accept stare decisis as, as the status quo, right? Because that's just saying, hey, you, you 
rendered incorrectly, but because we use this practice that we're just going to keep doing it wrong. And that I can really appreciate. I think that, you know, what they're, to me, what they're really saying is it doesn't belong here. It's a state's rights issue. And I'm sorry if you live in a state that, you know, doesn't permit it, but that's the way the Constitution was intended. That's the way the founders uh, visioned this country. Uh, that's why the the original Articles of Confederation that were was the first government of this country failed was because it was it wasn't knitted together well enough, quite frankly. Um, and this one did a better job, but we're just not going to continue with the insanity. So, you know, I think when it comes to Billy Joe Armstrong, it's uh, really a, sh- a shame that. Uh, this that this country that gave him his gave him his fame and his fortune that he is so delusional by um his politics that uh, he wants to move to great britain which um i don't think is any better quite frankly on the rights front i mean yes they do have an elected government and yes policies and and laws are are very similar to ours but they also don't have the same protections that we do in terms of losing them so anything that they have now is subject to potential change or loss at the whims of the government i mean in some ways we do too but our our tri um tri-segmented government has those checks and balances in there and it's not as easy to get rid of something um especially something that's you know considered a right that pre-existed the government so um i do hope billy joe armstrong moves to great britain and i hope he enjoys himself i'll still listen to green day i still like it but good riddance another one of his songs by the way all right or at least a reference to it so that's my summary on the supreme court verdicts here i i hope you got you all have a great fourth of july and uh, appreciate uh what we still do have i mean i'm pretty down on uh on the country for the most part but um you know it's things like this that give a glimmer of hope that say hey you know we've fallen pretty far but but there's a, a an ember there of of people that see things the right way so with that, this is Alta4.co in your programming and do things that matter.